benefit is it to you? That thing that you trust, what good does it provide for you? What benefits are associated with it? And finally, how long will it last? First then, whom do you trust? In what are you secure? That's an important question, right? So if, if, if you're ever trying to secure yourself and making sure that you are secured, you need to ask, what is my foundation? What am I standing on? So I had this great ladder. It's, a, it's an amazing ladder. My father-in-law gave it to me. It's not an A-frame ladder. It's one of those that leans on the house. And so the security of the ladder, it, it's, a, it's an amazingly secure and stable ladder, but it requires the ground to be stable and flat, and it requires the thing that it's leaning on to be secure, right? And I uh, learned about the nature of that, of leaning ladders, because I had mine placed on this slate, and the rubber sole of the ladder just kind of, slate is slippery, and it sort of slipped, which I felt it, right, at the top of the ladder. I feel the ladder just slip ever so bit. And like C-3PO, I realized that the thing I'm standing on is not entirely stable. And I'm scared. My soul quaked a bit because I realized that I thought I was secure because I've got this strong ladder. But I'm not. We have to ask the question, what secures my soul? What offers me a strong foundation? Where can I stand? There are so many things that we base our security on, and yet we feel insecure. And here's why. Here's why, even though you may have all the wealth in the world, even though you might be the most popular kid at school, you have all the things that you ever thought you needed, your life is going great, and you sit there at home and you say, oh, this is a great life. My barns are filled with food. Here is why you still feel insecure. It's because insecurity is actually a form of confidence. Okay, bear with me now. Insecurity is actually a form of confidence. We are putting our confidence in something that is, as it turns out, insecure. Goes by a number of different names in the Bible. We meet it in a number of different ways. Paul warns us about confidence in the flesh. Having confidence in the deeds that we can do as a way of securing ourselves. Or in Galatians, if you've been with us in the Sunday school, we've been talking about the elementary principles of this world. That is to say, anything that this world, whether good or bad, has to offer us is, by definition, a shakable thing, an insecure place. Our insecurity actually is logical. It flows out of the fact of this perhaps tacit recognition that there is no secure place in this world on which to stand. We spend our lives trying to embolden ourselves, to give ourselves confidence. We started at an early age. I've, uh, I have young kids, and as a parent of young kids, one of the great benefits is that I get to half-watch all sorts of cartoons. Uh, I hear them in the background, 
And if it's not some sort of, if it's not, you know, edutainment, it's usually some form of you need to be self-confident. That's the moral. Trust in yourself. You need, you need security. We believe insecurity is a sin. We believe it's profoundly wrong and that those who feel insecure are not going to do the things that they need to do, are not going to be the person that they need to be. And so at a very young age, we teach ourselves to be self-confident, self-reliant. We love our kids so that they feel secure because we want that for them. Those are good things. The problem is, the hitch here, is that there is, there is nothing that we can give our children or ourselves that should provide for them in this world a sense of security. Because this whole cosmos is shakable. Hebrews 12, 12 tells us that this kingdom in which we live, this present state of affairs, this world, this eon in which we live our lives, it is a shakable eon. And what we should be doing is looking to that which is unshakable for our security. And this is what the psalmist calls us to do. Notice that the psalmist is secure. He feels that security. And that security is grounded. It is anchored not in something that's shakable, that's slippery, but it is anchored in God himself. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. That is the object of the psalmist's security. It is God himself that secures the psalmist. And in that God, he has great power, great hope. Why? Because God is not shakable. Because God is all-powerful. Because God is the one who shakes the nations, who sifts the sands. He is an unshakable, an unwavering God. He has promised good to his people, and he does what he promises. He performs that which he intends. Notice, therefore, that what the psalmist is able to do is not only trust in this God, but trust everything to this God. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Where is your security? In whom do you trust? Most of us... We're like, we're, we're like that dad who realizes that the ground isn't entirely flat, but wants to put the ladder up anyway, right? And so we're like that dad who manufactures some contraption, right, to, to make the ladder more secure. So we've got one leg on the ground and the other leg is on like a box. Or we've got the ladder that's leaning against another ladder, right? We think what we try to do is we heap up all of these insecure things and call us, call ourselves secure. The psalmist gives up on security in this world. He says, you, I have no good apart from you. No good. Everything that provides security for the psalmist is from God. There is nothing in which the psalmist feels secure that doesn't come from God. He has got his, all his eggs in one basket. Religion, Christianity, our faith is not one leg of the stool and wealth the other and friends the third. 
it is a one-legged stool and yet is secure because you are tethered, you are anchored in God himself, and he cannot deny himself. He is the faithful one. He is wholeheartedly trusting God. There is no portion of his soul that doesn't look for security in God. Every part of his soul finds its security in God himself. And so when the psalmist asks that question, in whom do I trust? Where is my security founded? The answer is God, and so his confidence is assured. If we want that kind of assurance, it has to be in God. But many of us trust in so many other things. Many of us heap up other ways of gaining security in this life. What do those other things benefit us? That's our second question. Okay, we've asked where, where can we be secure? Now we need to ask, what do these other things in which we are secured give us? You see, for the psalmist, he has everything from God. I have no good apart from you. The flip side of that coin, we focused on the the priority of the psalmist on God, but the flip side of that coin is every good thing that he has is from God. He sees it through God's own eyes. He views it as God's own gift to him. He has great benefit and blessing in this world from trusting in God. Notice verse 5. The Lord has, is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. If you haven't been in Joshua or Judges uh, recently, those, that verse might sound a little cryptic to you. The language of portion, lot, uh, later on, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. That comes from the book of Joshua. You'll remember that as Israel comes into the land, God tells Joshua what each tribe's lot is going to be, the portion of the land that they are to inherit, their line, so to speak. You will take care of this area. This section is yours. You will benefit from it, and you will care for it. That's their inheritance. The And if you've finish uh, Joshua and Judges, you'll realize that that is an insanely insecure system. The lines never fall in the right places. The people are constantly struggling with enemies within and enemies without. It is an insecure system. So the psalmist doesn't base his security on his this worldly inheritance. What he says is, you are my lot. You are my chosen portion. He may have a lot assigned to him as on earth, but that's not what his security comes. The great benefit of having God as one's security is that he himself is your portion. You belong to him, and he belongs to you. You say to your God, you are my Lord, and he says to you, you are my people. To whom do you belong? It's our first question. And what benefits does it provide? Because if you belong to God, you have access to all of these benefits, this beautiful inheritance. Earlier on in verse 3, as for the saints in the land, those others who trust in God, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. You get the benefit of a community more than a club, a people. 
a group that is yours, that cares for you and that you care for. You make vows to them, they make vows to you. You protect one another and your joy is in one another and you guide each other to the glorious inheritance that is for you. Gladness in this present world, verse 9, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. We receive, even in those dark times, even when things feel very shakable, a, a gladness, a joy that takes place because we know that we're not home yet, that, that this is not our, the fullness of what God has planned for us, that there is an inheritance to come. It, we have it now, but only in the form of an inheritance. We receive it when he returns. This is our joy, that which will be. We even get instruction and advice. This relationship, this anchor that we have in God, it is not impersonal, it is personal. Verse 7, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. God gives us guidance on the journey. We wander in the wilderness. We wander in a shakable land. Our security is something future, something hoped for, an inheritance that will be received when Christ returns. But in the meantime, God gives us himself, his own counsel, to guide us forward that even as we walk, our steps are kept by our great God. These are the benefits of trusting in the Lord. Trusting in the world is not so. There are many good benefits. We're not saying only good things come from, uh, only good things are heavenly things. The things that we love in this world are often good things. You may have a wonderful parent whom you love dearly and who you know loves you and you feel security because of it. You uh, may have, uh, uh, know that your spouse loves you. You may be doing great at work and flourishing through the skills that you exercise. All of those things are good things, good things that ultimately come from God. They're good benefits. The problem is they don't give us security. The problem is that like everything else in this present world, they are shakable. They only offer relative security. They, if you trust on them, if your hope is in them, if that is what grounds you and founds you, if that is what gives you a safe place to stand, then you have only a false sense of security because those things are shakeable. Those things deteriorate. They're part of a kingdom that is passing away. They may be good things. They may be things that you love and should love and give thanks to the Lord for, but they cannot give you security. And if they do, you will always be insecure because your soul is telling you, this is why. Trust in the Lord. They give you many good things, but they, they cannot give you that which you're looking for. They cannot give you the security of foundation that you need to stand and to be bold. They can help. They can encourage. They can warn. They can guide. But they can't give you an unfaltering place to stand. They cannot save your soul because it will not last. We know that. We believe that. Nothing in this world lasts. 
It's a tautology. We just say that flippantly, but believe it. If nothing lasts, then your security has to be elsewhere. And that's our third question. How long will it last? In whom do we trust? If it's not God, there is no secure place. What are the benefits? There are so, such ample benefits that we receive from trusting in God in this life and the life to come. And it's at that point that we need to turn and ask that final question. How long will it last? This is the problem with anything that we ground our security with in, in this world, is that it doesn't last long. It may give us great benefit for the time that is allotted. But it cannot save our souls. It cannot secure that which is eternal. Notice that the psalmist's faith in God is so firm, so strong, so confident that he's able to say, therefore my heart is glad, my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure. Why? Why is he secure in, even in something so fragile as his flesh? For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The psalmist is secure because of the power of the resurrection. It's a power we often doubt. We don't hinge our security. We don't anchor our security in the bodily resurrection from the dead. And here's what happens when we don't. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. You see how Paul thinks about it? All these good things which we enjoy that God has given, and yet they are vain if not for the resurrection because they don't last. They are vanity without the resurrection. They are shadows of that which is to come. Your faith needs to be grounded in that imperishable seed which cannot but flourish for all eternity, in the kingdom of God which cannot be shaken. And the power of that kingdom is precisely resurrection from the dead. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what the psalmist believes. The psalmist believes that he will dwell forever with God, that Sheol, that hell will not win the victory, but that he will be raised, body and soul, right? My flesh dwells secure, not just his soul, his body as well, glorified in the presence of God so that he will enjoy all of his benefits forevermore. What would your, how would your life change if you actually believed that? If you were secured, not by perishable things, but imperishable. Not by earthly things, but heavenly ones. How would you live differently? What fears would dissipate? What anxieties would be calmed? What actions would you be enabled to take even though they fail? 
because the fear of failing in this life no longer impacts you in the same way. We would have peace. We would have joy. And the glory of the resurrection is we would have those things even as we are being shaken, even as the world threatens to undo us, even as we battle against the world and the flesh and the devil, because you are anchored in something that is secure. And you know that that cannot fail and that cannot fall. Brothers and sisters, as we go forth from here, call your soul to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the power of his resurrection and find peace even as we are shaken to the ground. Let's pray.